section eight of notes of an east coast naturalist by arthur henry patterson this librivox recording is in the public domain bird notes part eight the land dotterel before the break-up of the north deans by golfer volunteer and other pedestrians and when the sand dunes were quite a considerable walk from the town the old gunners yearly expected and often fell in with the land dotterel eudromius morinellus which was quite a usual spring immigrant billy sampson a gunner who frequented this locality until the early seventies several times met with them in small flocks the largest number he ever saw together being twelve the colours of the bird when squat and immovable are so similar to its surroundings that when the eye is once off it it is singularly difficult to locate again the bird is very simple and easily stalked sampson affirmed that one only needed to get within range and keep rounding them up and most of a flock might be secured he once shot three out of four in this manner the fourth taking to wing whilst he was loading his old muzzle gun the wind and migrants the direction pursued by birds on their migratorial trips is considerably affected by the winds prevalent at the time as well as by the force of the same there can be no doubt that with a continuity of strong westerly winds in october the east side of the north sea benefits by their numbers just as a south-easterly wind puts the flocks this way birds appear to prefer a side wind rather than one behind them and least of all a head wind should opposing winds be weak however they do not object to them as was seen in october nineteen o three when for days following the sixteenth incredible numbers of corvidae and other land birds came over on the other hand wading birds were conspicuously absent quite a rush of migratorial birds occurred on the fifth of september eighteen ninety seven several were killed by nightfall this rush i thought at the time portended a shift of the wind which had been continuously west-south-west for several days and within twelve hours of my recording my impressions and seeing the birds on the move the wind veered round to the east on a game stall on the six i noticed the following birds ten bar-tailed godwits nine curlew sandpipers one reeve twenty knots one shell duck immature one greenshank one scalp female two kingfishers the following entries may be of interest november the twenty third eighteen ninety seven extraordinarily thick fog november the twenty fourth 
night noisy with cries of plovers this with certain other birds being uneasy portending bad weather the wind changed immediately after november the twenty eighth blew hard to-day and next the gale causing havoc all round the neighbourhood tide rose to an alarming height the sea broke through the sand-hills at horsey i may also quote a note as follows september the twentieth eighteen ninety nine wind veered yesterday from south-west to south-east rough wet night to-day braden noisy with birds saw some turnstones and wimbrel numbers of grey plovers some green shanks and many small birds many scores of grey plovers were subsequently shot during the spring migration an easterly and a northeasterly wind especially favours bird observation here in the old days of which the few worn-out gunners still living delight to talk when godwits were as common as dunlins dirty weather was always hailed by them bringing with it as it did many birds are wearied by flying shoulder on on their northward journey old goodens a man of iron constitution who at an age exceeding the allotted span still ventures up braden ill-sparing told me he once killed fifteen godwits at a shot he had seen thousands drop in on a thick drizzly morning with a northeast wind they settled on a flat on a certain tenth of may near the channel and reached one solid flock five stakes in length these braden channel stakes rise out of the water several hundreds of feet apart two days after he added not one godwit was to be seen how the grey plovers movements and appearance here are connected with certain winds will be seen in the following notes copied from my entries may the fifth nineteen hundred grey plovers several on braden noisily piping wind southwest may the sixth wind suddenly gone round to the southeast may the seventh wind very blustering all night with squalls may the twenty fifth several grey plovers on braden after fortnight's absence of species wind changed to northeast and then to southeast on the following day i made similar observations in nineteen o one as follows november the twelfth glass falling rapidly gale came on at night november the thirteenth during a lull in the gale last night the air overhead was alive with golden plovers and other migrating waders wind muddled and light attracted some snipe were distinctly heard among them some awkward mistakes birds like ourselves do not always avoid committing little errors of judgment 
in january eighteen ninety six a kestrel noticing a movement in the herbage below it stooped and seized what to his surprise turned out to be a weasel he almost immediately dropped it and then hurriedly altering his mind actually captured it again and rose in the air with it to drop it as hurriedly once more when the animal began squirming and shrieking luckily for the kestrel its sharp talons had inflicted injury upon its unwanted prey and also had held it near the head or he might have fared badly the poor little weasel dragged itself into a hole where in a bad way it lay for a while exhausted half in and half out it eventually recovered and was molested by the plucky hawk no more in the same month i observed a large gull stoop to the surface of Braden and seize a bit of floating food a hooded crow observing the seabird's success straightway dashed at him and so hustled him that to recover himself he was obliged to drop the food he descended again and retrieved his prize but hoodie once more dashed at him and again compelled him to relinquish the object of disputation but the crow was not nimble enough of wing to seize it and made no effort to repossess it hoodie made a mistake in imagining himself a skewer in the spring of eighteen ninety eight a hen wanting badly to sit contented herself by sitting most assiduously on two common stone ginger beer bottles it is needless to say her labours were in vain and one might almost imagine that anything so foolish could never have been attempted by any creature known to be unaddicted to the bottle owing to the dryness of the season in the july of eighteen ninety six the snails and slugs in certain districts gathered into the strawberry beds thither the blackbirds followed them to the indignation of the market gardeners who at once not only accused them of stealing strawberries but commenced a warfare on them many scores were slaughtered and their carcasses hung up as a warning to others what was done by the slugs upon the finest of the berries was laid to the blackbird's charge notwithstanding this many quarts of strawberries perished for want of gathering it was not only a pity but a very great mistake to slaughter so piteously the friends who were ready to save the strawberries by devouring their greatest enemies the slimy mollusks hybrid doves a yarmouth pigeon fancier mated a male almond splash pigeon with a collared dove in eighteen ninety seven after spoiling six pairs of eggs a pair of hybrids were produced they were dove-like in general appearance and manners and exceedingly timid one bird was pale mouse-coloured 
with the edging of the secondaries and the greater and lesser wing coverts of a light brown hue the tail was barred at the extreme end with white the other bird was whitish with the edgings of the aforementioned parts fawn-coloured the birds were healthy and strong at another house during the same year i saw a hybrid produced from a dark blue tumbler and a hen collared dove it was plum-coloured all over and resembled its maternal parent in style and appearance on the neck were the loveliest metallic bronze tints imaginable reminding me of those on the american passenger pigeon birds returning home certain of our birds waders to wit although so noticeable in their autumnal immigration do not make much display of their return in the spring on their way to the north of europe i have certainly observed the heron in one or two instances fly directly east and also small bunches of starlings on one or two occasions we have influxes of spring waders godwits knots grey plovers and the like although not so numerous as formerly dropping in on braden mud-flats but it is seldom they are actually seen to leave they do so undoubtedly at night i have disturbed terns and seen them mount high in the air and proceed in a northeast direction the gathering together of certain species for the flight is not so rare on the first of april eighteen ninety eight i saw many scores of hooded crows congregated on braden mud-flats simply resting themselves and holding to all intents and purposes an avine congress as far as the eye could reach they were to be seen and from the quaint manner in which one would address its nearest fellow i was almost certain they had already paired on the twentieth of march eighteen ninety two i saw a similar gathering on the sand hills between caister and scratby on the second of april eighteen ninety eight i observed a troop of jackdaws flying direct east at a considerable elevation their note made identification easy some large bunches of starlings flying in wedge form due east and very high passed over the town on the twenty ninth of march nineteen hundred five kentish crows hung about braden as late as the eleventh of may nineteen hundred one had a slightly injured wing and was unable to fly to any great distance his companions who were evidently concerned about his welfare at length finding it would or could not join them left it to its own devices a town rookery the successful attempts made by rooks to establish a colony in the heart of yarmouth have been a matter of no little interest to residents living in the market-place and its neighbourhood each spring since that of eighteen ninety six has found the birds in more or less numbers 
resorting to the trees immediately to the left of the hospital school in the old disused cemetery at the rear of the market-place early in april of that year a pair built a nest there odd birds at various times visited the couple settled there and seemed to beg fun of them seven rooks were observed around the nest on the tenth young birds were nearly fledged on the twenty fourth of may when some brute climbed the tree and in sheer wantonness sawed off the limb dropping nest and young birds to the ground in the march of eighteen ninety seven a pair of rooks again put in an appearance remained for a day or two and then left the place entirely for that year in nineteen o one others again looked in for a day or two and in nineteen o two two nests were built but during a very severe gale both nests were completely destroyed one might think that the birds weighed the matter over in their minds and decided in the end that as an act of providence had upset their hopes and not human interference they might as well try again in nineteen o three which they did when no less than seven nests six of them inhabited decorated the trees the good wishes of the townsfolk went out to them being especially voiced during the gales of march and april which they survived something like a score of youngsters were reared and in time crossed the town to the braden marshes with their parents who had frequently passed and repassed with provender from the neighbourhood of that favourite estuary the oldest inhabitant cannot remember ever before seeing a colony of rooks in the heart of the town although rookeries are common enough in various parts of galston the shag the shag phalacrocorax graculus makes an exceedingly interesting pet i purchased one of a smacksman in march eighteen ninety eight he was giving it a swim in the river keeping it captive by means of a long cord tied to its leg and by means of which he dragged it ignominiously on board the smack again i kept it for some weeks it soon answered to my call and would catch easily the fish thrown to it when hungry it uttered a harsh discordant trumpeting note unlike another i kept later which made no sound at all it ate or rather swallowed about a pound and a half of fish per day including bones mostly cut up fish heads and skate the bones it vomited after digesting the muscular parts around them another came into my possession in september nineteen o three like its predecessors it never drank or even dipped its bill into water while in my care it became exceedingly tame and would come into the house boldly as if it preferred the warmth of the fireside to its own outside lodgings 
locally this species seems to turn up more frequently now than in years gone by some strange fatalities some bricklayers working on a roof in the heart of the town in april eighteen ninety nine called to me from the scaffolding asking me to inspect a large niche in a half demolished chimney where lay huddled together no less than fifteen bird skeletons which i immediately identified as those of jackdaws in all probability the chimney had been the birthplace of generations of those birds and the perfectly clean bare skeletons discovered were doubtless those of young birds that had either tumbled out of the nest or had died and been thrown out by the parent birds not a particle of flesh sinew or feather remained this being due mayhap to the attentions of mice blowflies and moths i had known the house since childhood but could not remember jackdaws having ever inhabited its chimneys that blowflies find out carcasses in a most mysterious fashion is evidenced by my finding in two instances the remains of swifts that had probably lost their lives in striking the parish church steeple and fallen on the leads at its base just above the clock the bones beneath the feathers were in both cases bare and in one indeed a few larval cases remained the blowflies must have caught the scent of the dead birds when atmospheric depression brought it earthwards although i am not certain that these dipterous insects do not occasionally fly at as great an elevation that scent will draw insects to great distances is evidenced by the finding of the carcass of a porpoise on oldborough beach four miles from any habitation yet simply alive with the larvae of the green blowfly curious manoeuvres one of the oddest performances i ever saw on Braden took place on the early morning of the seventeenth of august eighteen ninety nine hearing a number of black-headed gulls on the flat opposite my houseboat i cautiously looked out to see the scarcely bare flat covered with these birds all screaming in turn as if the bright morning were a real delight to them and what was odd enough they literally danced all over the place each bird lifting its feet and pattering on the mud without moving away as if dancing a hornpipe evidently from the frequent pauses made by each bird to pick up something the unusual disturbance of the mud caused sundry crustaceans and worms to come in terror to the surface the very result intended by the birds i have seen the same manoeuvre executed several times since a few evenings prior to this i was sitting in the dusk at the stern of my houseboat when i noticed a gull behaving in a very strange way and after some careful glimpses at him through my telescope i found he had fast in his gullet a flounder much too large to be comfortably swallowed 
the poor thing described a number of circles and gradually came my way i had prepared to slip out onto the mud should he come near enough in order to help him in some way or other but for all his caperings he became distrustful of my presence and vanished still curvetting into the gathering gloom in all probability it was the last flounder he ever tackled in august eighteen ninety nine a large grey gull captured a flounder he was utterly incapable of swallowing a companion bullied him chasing him up and down and around in the air for nearly a mile the rightful possessor as persistently sticking to his find how they settled the matter i do not know for they passed beyond my sight mostly snipe notes it has often been the case in my experience that if we get snow and frost before christmas our local gunners have what they term a bit of tolerable sport but should like conditions obtain only after the advent of the new year their chances are poor enough the following notes copied from my diary are interesting as showing how a few frosty days affect the snipe i made a few lists of victims that appeared from day to day on a local game stall december the eleventh eighteen ninety nine a three-inch fall of snow last night frost coming with it drove southwards to this neighbourhood great numbers of snipe common and jack snipe abundant everywhere durrant had the following birds to-day snipe forty-seven lapwings fourteen dunlins twenty-three wild duck four jack snipe seventeen golden plovers ten widgeon three woodcock one december the thirteenth yesterday a similar number of snipe on the stall to-day woodcocks eight snipe one hundred and twenty jack snipe twenty spotted rail two coots forty dunlins forty duck and mallard fourteen widgeon nine december the fourteenth millions of radiated trough shells mactra stultorum scoured up by the tide and thrown ashore the presence of these tempted many wildfowl here marshes covered with snow gunners all on the alert for snipe to-day's list snipe forty-three lapwings six dunlins sixty ducks twelve december the fifteenth heron one lapwings twelve widgeon four shovelers three curlew one duck thirty teal one golden plovers four dunlins one hundred and seventy nine pochards seven moorhens nine 
woodcock one the snipe were sent daily to london the curlew above referred to weighed two and a quarter pounds december the sixteenth snipe three hundred and ten duck and mallard thirty two dabchicks six lapwings twenty six dunlins three hundred and thirty six half fowl ninety water rails twelve goosander one the half fowl were tufted ducks golden eyes etc the common snipe nests very sparingly in the lowlands around yarmouth i knew a pair to nest on a low swampy bit of fen a few score yards beyond belton station by the broads it is of less infrequent occurrence the snipe puts in an appearance on our marshes in some numbers on the approach of frost in the early eighties a severe frost shut up all the ditches and solidified the fenny places farther north the brackish deeks of our own immediate neighbourhood in one night became swarmed and for a day or two after every gunner was incessantly blazing away as the birds were flushed continually by the tramp of feet and snuffing of dogs hundreds were killed the frost continued and after the third day the numbers began perceptibly to lessen and in less than a week not a bird was to be found but directly there was a break a rush back took place although very few birds were then secured it is a very rare circumstance to meet with this species on braden i observed one on a hot day in nineteen o one feeding along with a parcel of dunlins its favourite resorts had in all probability been dried up by a long continued drought in an old edition of gilbert white's selborne that had belonged to an old sportsman, i saw written on the margin the following note snipe at worm when at oldborough i shot a great many snipes one day i shot a jack and upon my dog bringing it to me i found a small red worm protruding from the mouth i ever afterwards drew my finger and thumb tightly up the outside of the throat and several times i have by this means drawn the same description of worm from them and i have no doubt the woodcock eats the same during one of the rushes of snipe in the old days a young fellow called in at a since deceased game dealer's after the shop had been closed carrying in his pockets the proceeds of the day's shooting the dealer sat reading his newspaper behind the counter what do you want he curtly asked of the young fellow i've brought some snipe said he emptying his pocket i believe you buy em the dealer coolly took up several of the birds and then critically eyeing the sportsman asked where he obtained them 
up the river walls on such and such a marsh he replied oh so you've been not only shooting game but obtain them on squire so-and-so's land hey just wait till i fetch a policeman it is needless to say the young sportsman took alarm and precipitately bolted leaving his game behind him he has not yet according to report returned to settle the deal or make inquiries respecting the snipe a most unusual movement of snipe took place in the middle of november nineteen o three from two independent sources i was informed that from four hundred to five hundred of these birds alighted on a hover a floating portion of rond they were described as literally alighting upon each other a wherry sailing by at the time put them up when they crossed over it some passing between the mast and the bobstay an old bradener who excelled at punt gunning in the fifties and sixties assured me that old thomas the late johnny thomas's father was surprised one evening by a large flock of unknown or unrecognised birds alighting on a rond on Braden, not far from him owing to snow and inability to locate them thomas drew up to the walls and in spite of the severity of the night slept there waking before daylight he found his way at daybreak to the spot and managed to get a shot at what he now saw to be snipe there were hundreds and at one pull he killed several scores covering as my informant said the punt floor with them half fillin it end of section eight